I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Halfway through the week, depending, I guess, on how long your work week is. Hopefully, though... Everything's going well, but again, let's take it as a moment just to uh, <clears throat> pause and remind ourselves that uh, we get to decide to an extent, but we're going to do the best, you know, around what we have control over. We get to decide how the rest of the day is going to go. I uh, was kind of sharing this with you all a couple, couple weeks ago on the show. We were talking about how I'm doing this work myself. So often as I'm reminding you all, I'm reminding myself as well and reinforcing, but uh, a bad a bad moment does not have to be a bad day. Remember that soundbite? A bad morning doesn't have to be an entire bad afternoon. A bad day doesn't have to be a bad week, right? Bad day doesn't have to be a bad weekend. Bad day doesn't have to be a bad week. Bad week doesn't have to be a bad month. We're, we're kind of working on right-sizing things. What we're not doing is leaning into toxic positivity, right? And we'll talk more about that, but that's basically the idea that always put a smile on your face, always look for the silver lining, always be happy. Well, no, that's not mental health. That's, that's being a robot. Actual things do happen that are worthy of anger, frustration, disappointment, sadness, depression, anxiety. You know, mental health is not the absence of emotion. And emotion is good and bad. Honestly, emotion is just neutral. It's energy and experience and memory and feeling. But um, we're not trying to have the absence of the ones that we've culturally decided are bad or negative. So again, mental health is not the absence of anxiety and depression and frustration and grief and loss. Mental health, as we say, is the ability to sit with all of it deeply, right, and fully. But Part of that is what we call both self-regulation and emotional flexibility. We do wanna use our cognitive functioning to say, hey, wait a minute, am I catastrophizing? Am I dramatizing what's going on? Yeah, that might've just happened. Let me give you a personal example. (laughs) I've really been applying the crap out of this concept, so I wanna share this with you all. I'm really proud. This is a difficult thing, because remember, we're at the mercy of well, we're at the mercy of a lot of things, our genetics, and our genetics do not determine everything. You know, the environment and other factors will determine what's expressed. So remember that. Just because you might genetically have the capacity to maybe be a, you know, piano prodigy, if you are raised in a family without access or the resources to ever sit down in front of a, a piano, that will never manifest or express itself, right? But that potentiality exists. So genetics and what we're born with are a potentiality. They're a possibility. But there's so many other factors that bring things forward. So when we're talking about mental health and our ability to cope with life and the world around us, 
it, it is not just that you know our genetics are destiny, and and that's something that's important to know. Even when we talk about problematic relationships with maybe things like drugs and alcohol, aka what people other people call addictions, right? It's far bigger, and we know that that's actually born out of trauma. Addiction is not a disease. We know that. Um, it's not a mental illness. It's a learning thing. It's an attachment disorder. Uh, it's born out of trauma. We now know that. So my point being is we're up against a lot of different factors. So let me personalize this for a second. Yes, there's my genetics. There's also the family environment that I was raised in that taught me or did not teach me, depending on your family, how to self-regulate, and also what perspective to really have on the world. Your early relationship will help you determine to an extent, at first at least, whether or not you see people as safe, whether or not you see people as comforting, right? And then we move out into the wider world. What's the current place and time? Well, right now we're all living in a late capitalist neoliberal culture, which basically means we're treated poorly. Everyone's treated their worth and value based on how much they produce and whether or not, you know, how much money they make. It, it, it's quite gross. And now we're in a really beautiful cultural moment where we're pushing back on that. And we're saying things like, we're here to have pleasure and, and to have joy. We're not here to work. Right, work is something we unfortunately have to do to participate in our you know capitalist culture. But I digress. I digress. I digress. My whole point is this: is I was raised in a family where I wasn't necessarily taught the best self-regulation skills. I wasn't given the best you know training and emotional intelligence. That's something I had to really acquire and work on. And and that was to the deficit of a lot of my early relationships. But now as a conscious adult doing the work I've done, I've really taken it very seriously to really watch, monitor and assess myself, right? So one of the things that I've been working on for years now is right sizing things. And this is something I do with my clients. This is something I leave stick it notes around my home. I've shared that with you all. Whatever I'm working on, I'll put notes, reminders because the world distracts us, right? It pulls us away from what we're working on. And so we need a lot of touchstones and reminders that say, hey, this is the person you want to be. Um, there's a beautiful uh, form of therapy called ACT, uh, Acceptance and Commitment Therapy. And one of the really valuable gems that's born out of that theoretical orientation is this idea that it's really important for everyone to understand what their ethics are, right? Um, and, and, and finding ways to live from that, right? What are, their, what are your core principles? And are you living a life aligned with that, the kind of person you wanna see yourself be? So I realized like, it's really important for me to be more self-regulated. So these events occur in our lives. And we're gonna take a break when we come back. I'm gonna share with you this, my own story that occurred that was this beautiful reminder of doing that work of saying, let's right size things. And also let's not let a bad moment become an entire bad day or bad week while also not leaning into toxic positivity and saying, put a smile on your face when things are rough because it's okay when things are rough to be like, yo, things are rough and to feel it and embody it and also want to talk about it, right? We're not trying to shut that stuff down. So stick around, I got a whole lot coming for you. So uh, don't go anywhere. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. 
It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. All right, y'all, we are back. And before the break, I was saying, you know, we're working on a lot of different things. And I was talking about how it's, it's you know, midweek and how important and vital it is for us to say, okay, how's the week gone? right? How do I want it to continue to go? And to say, we have some control over that. Yes, we're at the mercy of different forces and systems in our lives. We're acknowledging that. We're not brushing over that or ignoring that. I, I completely, because I you know, think intersectionally and I have eyeballs and a brain and I can see what's going on in the world, I would never say to someone, well, we decide how we feel. That's not true. That's not true. We are at the mercy and on the receiving end of real things. Like there's such a thing as a climate emergency. Yeah, we we don't get to decide how we feel about that. It's understandable that that generates anxiety and fear, right? Okay, uh, I don't agree when they say things like, people can't make you feel a certain way. Well, yes, yes, they can. It's called empathy. It's called mirror neurons. It's called interpersonal neurobiology. It's called connection. Yeah, when someone that I care about is sad, I feel sad in my body because I have empathy. We can be made to feel things. That's a real thing when we witness something with our eyes or we experience something with someone we have a feeling it's also called trauma it's called the you know transmission of trauma we can tr- pass trauma down through the generations we know that right there's also a thing called vicarious traumatization which is the trauma that happens when you're going through someone else's trauma and as a therapist i know that where i can feel in my body because of interpersonal neurobiology empathy mirror neurons i can feel what my clients are talking about we work very hard on having those boundaries, but you're internalizing it, you're experiencing, you're thinking about it. It's bringing up memories that are associative. So people do make you feel things. But I wrap all that up to say, if we have the cognitive awareness of that, we do get to decide what we make of it, what meaning we make of it, where we go with it, right? What we do with it. So the personal story I want to share with you, because my God, this year isn't hard enough. I haven't shared with y'all probably even a quarter of what's been going on. I I realized I had heart health issues. I realized I had dangerously high blood pressure. That was a medical emergency. I haven't talked openly about that. On top of that, I really badly injured my ankle. Um, It's been a rough year. And I'm one of those people where I'm pretty, I, I, I focus a lot on health and taking care of myself. So these things are just part of like being an adult and, and aging. I've had to encounter age as I get older. You know what I mean? Anyway, my point being at some point I do want to talk about my heart and health stuff because really woke my eyes up to the importance of nutrition and what I was eating and the impact that that was having and how that also helped be a part of my healing process and also helping me potentially, at least temporarily, avoid medications and some other things. So I'm going to talk about that at some point um, because we can both be body positive and not participate in diet culture while still talking about the impact that the food choices we make have on us. And that's important for us to talk about. Um, so my point being is 
life's funky as it is because of COVID. I have shared openly that I'm in a long distance relationship with someone in Canada. They will be moving over to the United States. So that dif- that distance been difficult. Also that transitional process will be difficult. Uh, you know, my ankle, whatever, life's happening. So two days ago, I think it was, uh, I, 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 long story short, a neighbor <laughs> knocks on my door that I don't even know and says, um, I have bad news. <laughs> I was kind of like, what? You know what I mean? I could see on her face. She said a, a bunch of our cars were broken into last night. And I was like, oh my God. You know what I mean? Because that's just one of those things where the first thought was like, that's just annoying. You know what I mean? Now, this is going to be a controversial statement that I'm going to make to you all. And this is just, again, you all get to feel how you get to feel. But this is how my ethics where my ethics take me, right? My ethics are very much rooted in activism, social justice, um, empathy and compassion, understanding systemic and institutional causes of issues. I I would never support someone breaking into someone else's car, okay? So let me start by saying that. That's, that's like a really horrible thing, and it's a very unfair thing. Um, but I also do appreciate that we're living in a tough economic time and that people are experiencing, you know, unemployment and racism and uh, COVID stuff and not everyone's able to get their needs met. So I appreciate that some people feel like the only way they can get their needs met is to break in other people's cars. I'm not saying it's okay. I'm, I'm just letting you know. I'm just empathizing that I understand what might be driving that, although there's other ways to work on getting your needs met. Nonetheless, there I am thinking, good God, this is not what I wanted to be woken up with because it was earlier in the morning. Long story short, they pried our car doors open and stole a bunch of really random, strange things out of our cars, including identification badges and garage clickers, um, really, really plotting a larger a larger um, theft ring, apparently. Point being is, that was the start of my darn day. So that very much is a frustrating, unsafe, uh, complexifying experience, right? And for most people, it would have been very reasonable for me to say, well, there goes my entire day. Like, well, you know, more to come. Clearly, this isn't going to be a good day. Carry it forward. Maybe I could say, oh, it's going to be a bad month. Or, of course, the bad year continues. But that's not true, right? And I needed to say, well, wait a minute. Yes, that happened. Feel all of your feelings. Kick something. Throw something. Scream. Share with your friends. Be bummed. Be pissed, right? And that's real. And I can do that. But I also had to say at the same time, because we can hold two different ideas at the same time, right? We can have this like consciousness of both. Another part of me swooped in and was like, okay, you also get to decide what you do with this. Do you want to let this leak into the rest of your day or do you want to process it, work through it and then move on? And I'm also working on this okay. And this is from Eastern psychology. I've shared this with you a little bit. Maybe I'll do a whole show on it at some point where I had to say, okay, you know, it's acceptance. It's radical acceptance. Acceptance doesn't mean you're co-signing. Acceptance doesn't mean it's okay. Acceptance doesn't mean you want it. Acceptance doesn't mean you're not leaning in and really being present with what's happening, but it's a way of saying, I'm releasing it now. Yes, that happened. There's nothing more I need to do with it. There's nothing constructive in letting it leak into the rest of my day. And I said, okay, thank you for telling me. Went out, assessed the damage, and was like, and I'm moving on with my day. Yes, that happened, but it's not gonna be a bad day. And honestly, the rest of the day was great because I right-sized it, right? And I okayed it. It's like it's like leaving the house with the bad weather. No, I didn't want it to rain or snow maybe, but it is, so I'm gonna go get a jacket, 
put it on and go do what I got to do. Taking a break, we'll be back. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All righty, we are back and uh, <laughs> done talking about my health issues. But I do at some point want to circle back and bring them, bring it up again because there's a lot of things I learned. Uh, one of the little tidbits I'll throw at you all is please check the amount of sodium that you're eating. Most foods have at times uh, the entire day's worth of recommended sodium that's healthy for your heart in one meal. And I realized I was consuming two to three times the recommended dosage a day. Um, I am plant-based for my health, for the environment, for my nonviolence, ethics, and spirituality. Um, it's the most powerful thing you can do to easily and cheaply help reverse some of the climate damage. So please go plant-based as much as possible. If you can completely go vegan, awesome. If maybe you're vegan-ish, sometimes it's great. Um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be something you'll, you'll thank yourself for. There will be a time when we are all eating that way, maybe not in our lifetime, but LA has 300% growth in plant-based restaurants. Obama just had his birthday party completely plant-based. Uh, award shows are going plant-based. Every day a new celebrity is going plant-based. It's really an important thing, but <clears throat> that doesn't mean that it's not low. So that doesn't mean that it's not high sodium. We need to get our sodium levels low. That is part of heart disease and high blood pressure. And heart disease is the number one killer in the world, right? And so my numbers were dangerously high, uh, dangerously high. And I had to get an at-home meter, blah, blah, long story. But uh, through cooking more and really assessing sodium levels and changing my diet and also having to reduce sugar levels, it's currently at a manageable number and we're tracking it. And I might not need medications or anything for, you know, further if I can monitor this. So really important stuff. So please do check in on your sodium levels. I see people talking about macros all the time, protein, carbs. And it's like, none of that's actually important for your heart health. And that's the number one killer. We need to be talking about sodium and sugar. No one's talking about that. Even on packaging, they reference fat, they reference sugar, they reference fiber and protein, but sodium is just this like silent killer that we're not talking about. And I just today saw three more articles about people dying from heart-related issues. It's wild, we'll talk more about it, but we can talk about this while still being body positive, not leaning into diet culture, not calling foods good or bad, but we do need to be looking at what we're putting on our bodies and nutrition levels. That's a real thing. So it's like, that is real. Not everyone has to do that. It is not your responsibility, but if you choose to, I wanna be part of opening our eyes up to that. Um, okay, one of the things I wanted to talk about though was this article on ways that therapists personally deal with burnout. I think that this is something that we can all take tips away from, but I, but there was like a little wink in this. Uh, cause I've talked about this frequently. Some people are like, Oh my God, stop talking about this. Well, I'm not going to, because it's something we still haven't nailed every single day, even with the same clients and the same friends and the same loved ones. I'm constantly saying you're working too much. I'm constantly saying, where's your self care? Because it's culturally something that's new for us and it's not supported. People are still calling others lazy. People are still thinking we need to always be improving and optimizing. And it's like all of these things that are exhausting us and burning us out. We need to be finding more rest, more pleasure, working less, having cutoff times where we're not accessible. Like choose a time of day where you are not available on your phone any longer till the next morning. Unless you're a crisis counselor or a 911 worker, you do not need to be accessible at all times by anyone. Um, but my point being is, this is the little personal nudge, is I get contacted multiple times a week to be on people's podcasts or to, or to be quoted in articles. And I say no to most of them because I'm 
preserving my my energy and time. I, I, I don't want to work a lot. I want to work as little as possible and get all the things done that I need to do and live my life, right? Um, but what was amazing is I feel like some of these people that reach out to me for quotes have no clue about who I am or my work because they're sometimes surprised at what I give them back. And so this author uh, for this really popular site, I'm not going to say much more, had reached out to me to talk about ways that I practice self-care to avoid burnout as a therapist because that was this topic, but also to like give a wider audience some ideas. And they used none of my answers because I don't give those boring mom and pop answers. I wasn't like, meditate, do yoga. I can't, you know I mean, I'm like, we all know that. That is so stupid. And like, you'll see in the article, we're going to go through it. Someone's answer was like, go to therapy. And I'm like, oh my God, these are so stupid. Uh, so basic and obvious. And my answers were like these really powerful, deep answers about activism and using your time and, uh, you know, and your legacy to do something meaningful and how that's a way that you stay very energized and it makes you feel like you've done. So it was just like really beautiful. And they were just like, whoa, that was a little too radical. It was a little too activist. And it's like, yeah, but you asked me, like, what did you think I was going to give you? I probably even mentioned things like masturbating. It's an appropriate form of self-care. It 100% absolutely is. Why can't we talk about the use of sexuality therapeutically? Like, oh, is that still a bad word? Like, grow up. Okay, so let's go through the most, some of these are, are decent. Some of them are just such a cliche and some of them are stupid. So the first one I actually thought was really amazing. I'm not gonna reference who said what, but uh, one of the first things that someone said as a way that they really <clears throat> try to avoid burnout is hobbies, trying a new hobby. And I was like, that's actually really profound for me. And I think that that's actually profound could be profound for a lot of us. We, and, and again, as always, like apply these things beyond the actual topic. The topics I use are entry points, right? They're like springboards. But when you're, let me, let me show you an example. Okay, so self-care, find a new hobby, awesome. Well, it's also the same thing you should do when you're going through a breakup. What, yeah, part of going through a breakup is stepping back into who you are or who you wanna be. Actually, let's take a break for the sake of time, we're gonna glide into those DMs. I'm gonna give you a little bit of a cliffhanger and then you're gonna come back after the DMs, which we're gonna do next. And uh, we'll finish this, all right? So stick around, you're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all, now it's time to glide into those DMs brought to you by Astroglide. Gliding into the DMs. This one says, Dear Dr. Chris, hello. And I'm very curious about something you said on your show on 726. You said that addiction is not a disease. I've been working in the field for 13 years. I listened to your show when I'm driving home. And I'm wondering if you expanded on that. It was later in the episode. I'll listen to it later. I appreciate your view and I'm interested in hearing your thoughts. Uh, yeah, it's not a brain disease. Um, that was a metaphor. And that was something that we used to use as a way to really normalize um, addiction in and reduce stigma. But um, I would say this. If you are working in the addiction field, you really want to be looking at harm reduction and attachment theory uh, and also a trauma-informed model. For those therapists listening and addiction counselors, we're moving towards a trauma-informed model, which means we're looking at the impact trauma has on every mental health disorder and issue, and especially people's problematic relationship to drugs and alcohol. I don't use the word addiction. You'll see it slipping out because I was trained to use that word, but I talk about instead people's problematic relationship with drugs or alcohol because, because it, it, it shows growth and movement, meaning 
just because someone has a problematic relationship at one point doesn't mean they always will. And just because they have a problematic relationship with one substance doesn't mean they can't use others. There are people whose sobriety does involve the use of cannabis and their issue might be drinking or some people might have a problem with drinking but not other substances. And it's important to flush that out. And once you have an issue, it doesn't mean you always will. And we know um, through looking at the research that, uh, sorry, I'm just trying to look at some of the stats I have, and uh, I, do a, I do a big lecture on this. So for instance, um, <clears throat> we know, and this is coming out of research that was actually done with Kaiser. Kaiser is a big health system and hospital here in California. They did a longitudinal study. I think it was well over 20 years tracking people and looking at how ACEs, adverse childhood experiences, how they impact uh, mental health and addiction later in life. And we know based on one trauma to two traumas to three traumas based on how many traumas a child has, what percentage of a chance they will have for mental health issues and also health issues. So for instance, um, if a child has abuse or neglect, they are two times the increased risk for an addiction. If they have sexual abuse in their early life, they have 15 times the increased risk. Um, if they have three kinds of abuse, they have 18 times more likeliness for psychosis and five times, I'm sorry, and if there's five kinds of abuse, 193 times more likely. We also know things like bullying, two times the enhanced risk for mental health issues, four times more likely to develop diabetes, and if you're bullied, nine times more likely to develop heart disease. We're using a trauma-informed model. We now know that trauma is the gateway drug. We used to say things like, marijuana, don't smoke weed, it's a gateway to other drugs. No, it's not. Actually, that doesn't happen. What's a gateway is trauma. We know that if you have trauma, one kind of trauma, you are more likely to misuse drugs and alcohol. If you have two traumas, it exponentially grows and it grows. We know that it's a, the result of trauma. You can't locate addiction in the brain. You can locate cancer. You can actually physically test diabetes, but addiction is nothing that can be tested. We go off self-report that someone comes in and says that they've struggled and we go, all right, then you have this thing, but there's no blood work. There's no brain scan. There's no objective concrete way to measure these things. They're measured based on report and based on what we've almost arbitrarily decided is the line between addiction and healthy use. And some people that are problematically used at one time don't problematically use at other times, right? I don't drink alcohol for a multitude of reasons, but I can use cannabis and cannabis is a healthy part of my self-care and uh, my mental health, right? And so what you really want to focus on for your treatment is harm reduction, which is saying abstinence isn't the right goal for everyone. And some people will fail and not everyone even wants abstinence. It's about improving the quality of their life. We're no longer using things like rock bottom or tough love. We realize that uh, people will improve mental health wise or with addiction if they have caring, supportive people in their life. That in fact, kicking someone out in tough love actually leads to more homelessness death. We know with people's hit rock bottom and incarceration that in incarceration, people actually have an increased risk of suicidality, death, and continued use. And so a lot of the old school stuff is actually been invalidated. And unfortunately, a lot of these addiction um, organizations are still going off old school models. So I would read a lot of the research that's looking at the fact that it's trauma related, that it's an attachment disorder, that we need to bring in more harm reduction, right? Um, and that once an addict, not always an addict. 
Uh, we know that the opposite of, you know, problematic drug, drug addiction is finding purpose and value in relationship and in their lives. It's a complete reorientation. It's a little bit more than I can drop into a DM. I'll continue to talk about it, but the disease model's outdated and we've moved on to a trauma-informed model. And I think that it's a really important thing. So um, thank you for asking that question. I'll hope to talk about it more, but that was my little quick run through. Um, all right, we got to take a little break. When we come back, we're going to keep talking about burnout and how to apply all that information to the rest of our lives. Oh, thank you, Astroglide, though. We'll be back. You're listening to Loveline on Channel Q, brought to you by Astroglide and Odyssey. See you in a minute. Gliding into the DMs is brought to you by Astroglide. All right, y'all, we are back. Sorry about that little break. We had to do some DMs. Thank you, Astroglide. Uh, Astroglide products, massage oils, lotions for everybody. Get in on there. Check that out. Um, but prior to those DMs, those ever-important DMs, an important, valuable benchmark, uh, we were talking about, <laughs> I was talking about a lot of things, but we are talking about this article on ways to avoid burnout. And I was saying that I want y'all to know as listeners that even if you're not relating specifically to a topic I'm sharing, it's always translatable and applicable to unrelated things. So for instance, I'm sharing with you this article that my important gems were left out of, God bless. And one of the other authors who was quoted was saying, try a new hobby, you know, to avoid burnout. And I'm like, no, I actually think that that's meaningful. And the example I was going to give as to how we can apply this outside of the context of it is, well, let's start with the context that they use first. Yes, finding a new hobby is a way to bring more purpose, meaning, and dynamicism into your life, as opposed to laying on your couch for six hours, flipping through the same three apps, or watching, you know, the same crappy movies on Netflix, because let's be honest, they haven't really been putting out any zingers recently. Um, so hobbies, awesome. I've stepped into a whole bunch. It's been profound. It's reminded me of who I really am. You know what I mean? Again, my work does that. So I'm lucky in that my radio show, my writing, my clinical practice are really grounded in who I am, what my purpose is and what I enjoy doing. So I'm, I'm gifted in that way. And we all aren't, and that's okay. We come home and we then step into that. And that's where hobbies are important. But the point I was making about the translatableness is it's also the advice I give to someone who's going through a breakup. And you're like, wait a minute, how does that even make any sense? Well, going through a breakup is often about stepping into who we were before or who we want to be now. Because when we get into relationships, we co-create something new and we become a different part or a different version of ourselves because there's this other person before us, right? And that often can block space and time and energy. And when we are newly single, going through a breakup, if it's hard for us, stepping into a new hobby keeps life dynamic and fun. It pulls us out of that, that grief and loss temporarily or long-term. If it's something that's participatory out in the world around others, that's great because we're meeting people. We're reminded that fun can still be had and that there's more to come and it challenges us. And I knew that. And when I went through the end of my engagement, because <clears throat> for longtime listeners back when me and Amber did Loveline as a podcast, which by the way, I think that all still exists on podcast one or Spotify, go check it out, some really bold stuff. But I remember I was, I was going through a, a, the ending of an engagement. A lot of you don't know that I was engaged. And I said, that's one of the most important things I did to get through it and, and, and over it was I started doing a lot of new hobbies, things that I'd always wanted to do. And it, it brought meaning and fun into my life again because my options were what most people do. I'm either gonna sit and stew in this ending, which was very painful, um, or I'm going to hold that with me while also moving forward. And hobbies were powerful. 
I leaned into a bunch of new ones and rediscovered who I was, but also found out new parts of who I am now. Because if you're always evolving, you're always changing. We don't stop changing if you're open to the, the true process of growth, right? And that was really powerful. And that's maintained a presence in my life or even through COVID. And even right now, I was like, well, I, I want to always be stepping into that process. So I started an art practice. I've actually started getting into cooking and baking. And that was born out of my heart health issues and realizing there's not a lot of foods that are actually heart supportive that are plant-based, low sugar, low sodium. So I started baking and making them. I now make my own seitan and oat milk and protein bars and baked goods. Like, I'm making it all, you know, and it's really been fun. Um, and that's new for me because if you'd listened to me prior, I was like, I hate cooking. I don't enjoy it. I do now. And I'm learning about different ingredients and seasonings. And it's been a really beautiful, exciting thing. Um, I also got into plants a little bit. That didn't go so well, but we're not going to talk about that. Okay. So anyway, back to the burnout thing. Try a new hobby. I think that's awesome. It'll re-energize you. You know what I mean? Um, I think it's something that's important for people going through a breakup. I think it's important for general mental health. I think it's important for people that are feeling anxious or depressed or lonely. I work with someone going through the ending of a marriage. I work with someone who's painfully single. I work with someone who's in a new city needs to make friends. I work with someone who's newly sober. I work with someone who's depressed. All these people, part of their treatment plan is go find a new hobby, which means step into joy. Uh, step into new identity, step out of your house, step into the world and meet other like-minded people, step into new things that challenge you, step into some fun on your weekend, step into having something to do in an otherwise really lonely, boring weekend. It's not a cure-all, but it is part of, right? It's a part of. These are situation and social things that can help heal us. So lean into that. Having a stress, you know, stressful, rough, whatever, Go step into something new and novel. Go lean into a hobby. Hobby. I want to start playing drums as well. I'm going to start playing drums. I'm going to keep cooking. I'm working on my art practice. I might at some point start sharing some of that. Like I'm really expanding. And that's why I'm saying I'm working less. I'm working to the levels I need to work to do what I need to do. I'm not doing any more. I'm not doing any less. I'm not letting myself get stressed out by work because that's not mentally healthy and that's not what the purpose of my existence on this planet is. And I say all that to motivate you all and to challenge you all to do the same thing. You know, <clears throat> I gave you a homework assignment a couple nights ago. I said, write down the three things that are most important to you. Are you guided by them? Are they centered in your life? Do they hold space in your life every single day or at least every week? And if not, your life is not balanced. And this is another example of that. We're going to take a break and we're going to come back and keep talking about what sounds like a really basic topic, but is actually quite profound and, and really involved in a cure-all for almost everything is ways to deal with burnout. Y'all stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all, we are back and uh, we're continuing to talk about how it's really simple, simple, small things that really feel difficult or hard, but are actually the more profound transformative aspects of what's available to us to deal with grief and loss, loneliness, boredom, going through a breakup, COVID stress, anxiety, depression, sobriety, it, right? There's these certain basic factors that are really always tied in any, to any of the research um, that's part of just generalized mental health. And the one I was talking about last uh, segment that I was going on and on about was stepping into new novel things, getting a new hobby, you know, going back to some of the things that are the most important elements. You know, when we get, when we get into a family, we have children, we're in a relationship, uh, we're deep in our jobs, um, health stuff. 
we tend to insulate, we tend to go in, our world tends to shrink. But what we really need to do in those times is expand, have more, step outside of, be distracted, letting go, right? Going into acceptance. So uh, I was also though at the same time saying that this is all coming out of an article that I was supposed to be featured in but left out of because my answers were too real and too honest and activistic. And so we're kind of poking through some of these really boring ones, but some of them are decent. Um, talk to a therapist. I mean, that's so unhelpful. I mean, going to talk to a therapist is very helpful. I just mean them, rec- them pointing that out as though that's not something that my listeners don't already know or have access to in terms of like the possibility of, but you know, therapy is important. I think everyone should have a therapist. I really do. I think that no one's going to be negatively impacted by working with the right therapist for some length of time. We all have work to do. And it's quite profound when you hear people that are like, no, nah, I'm good. And it's like, Oh, oh, sweetie. No, (laughs) like I can itemize a list of things that were really important to work on, but I digress. So what are the other things we want to talk about? Taking a tech break. I I could say this every show and it's still not going to necessarily have the necessary impact it needs to have. That's blown my mind. I put my phone on silence and in a drawer because I keep telling you, I'll do one thing at a time. If you're going to watch a movie, watch a movie. Do not be on your phone while watching a movie. If you're going to be on your phone, pause the movie. If you're in a conversation, be in the conversation. If you want to be on your phone, say to them, I need to, can you give me one second? I need to check my phone. One thing at a time, stop double dipping and your phone should not be a priority ever. You, very few of us need to be reachable within minutes. And if you do because of your child or a health emergency or whatever it is, I get it. But otherwise, be unavailable for the day. Be unavailable for the hours. Be unavailable for the weekend. I'm trying to be completely unavailable on Saturdays and Sundays. No one needs to contact me on a Saturday or Sunday. No one does. The way my world is structured, my career, my friends, if they want to reach out to connect, that's cool. But no one needs to be able to reach me immediately. I'm not an emergency worker. I'm not. You know, I work with high-functioning people in a weekly capacity, right? And my media stuff is 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 supported by a lot of amazing people. None of these things need to, and I want you all to ask yourselves that. Like, am I being too available, right? Tech break is also helpful because please know our mental health is impacted by the things we're looking at. We are, we are an open system. Our brains are a sponge. They're absorbing the social norms of the things our friends are saying and thinking, what commercials are, are, are telling us we need to be doing, and also social media. It's constantly flashing things at our face that are saying, this is what you should be doing. This is what you're not doing. Take a break. <clears throat> Another big one is also getting outdoors. Some of us can go a long period of time and our only time outdoors is maybe running from here to there. And there's a difference between happenstance where you happen to be outdoors because you're walking to your car or to get coffee and actually spending time outdoors. I'm talking about spending time outdoors. I am indoorsy. I like cooler temperatures. I always have my air conditioner on. I walk around my home wearing a hoodie. You know what I mean? The, te- the heat and sun gives me anxiety and depression. I have seasonal affective in that way, but I still make myself spend time outdoors. I still find comfortable ways that meet my needs to sit outdoors and spend some time. So make sure you're doing that. That's really important. What else we got here? Oh, I love this one. And this is something that's applicable to sex as well. Because again, all these things I'm talking about apply well beyond just this generalized topic of burnout. Fill your space with calming visual triggers. Okay, first we're going to start on how that works for mental health and burnout. And then I'm going to apply it to things like our body esteem, our self-esteem, and all of that. 
So as far as the workplace, you want to have things around you that create the kind of mood and thought process you want to have. I'm right now doing therapy via telemedicine and will still be for a long time because we're still in a pandemic and there's still variants going around. And I at least want to protect my clients, but I also want to protect myself. So I'm not going to be in any unventilated areas and my office doesn't have windows that open. I've talked about that. So I'm not going to be sitting in there for hours with people coming in and out. Okay. So at home though, where I do the therapy, I have flowers around me, things that make me smile, books that remind me of the, of the energy I wanna bring in because it does matter. What we're wearing matters. Moving forward, I'm only wearing comfortable clothing. I wear sweatpants to most places. A lot of places where that's actually looked down upon, but guess what? I don't care. My mental health and my physical comfort mean more than any social norm of where sweatpants are appropriate because it's material and fabrics. Fashion is material and fabrics. And we've infused in it elitism and classism, but not, no clothing is more appropriate or less appropriate than anything else. I can wear my black comfortable sweatpants literally everywhere and anywhere. And if I can't, it's not the right place for me. Like really hear that. If, there's, there, if the spaces I can't wear my clothes that are comfortable and make sense for me are spaces I don't belong in. Because all the places I want to be and the people I want to be around don't care about those things. You know what I mean? And so that's actually a really big indicator as to, well, what's going on in this space where I can't be myself and wear things that are comfortable? Do I want to participate in that? Is that the right place for me? Um, <clears throat> we're going to take a break in a minute, and then we're going to keep talking about this because I want to apply this and take this further because the things around us have such a huge impact. And it's a really beautiful way to kind of set a tone, set a mood, but also kind of remind us and help regulate us. So we're going to come back and talk about that, and then we'll be gliding into those DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. And you can check out past episodes of Loveline over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for my face, and click on it. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around, y'all. I'll be back, and we're going to keep talking about all these things that are going to just change your entire life. We'll be back. All right, y'all, we are back. And before the break, talking about uh, the environment around us. And I was saying how I'm working from home, have the right things around me. But remember this, you know, how does someone with a larger or fat body work through whatever comes up around that or trauma or oppression in our fat phobic culture? How does someone gay in our homophobic, patriarchal, toxic masculine culture feel okay? Well, you have to surround yourself with the things that challenge those norms and values in our culture. You cannot, and I say this to clients as well, you can't even pop into therapy once a week and think you're gonna battle through it all in one hour while going back to this problematic environment. So what does that mean? You have to surround yourself with the kinds of ideas, images, and messages that support who you are, how you want to think, how you want to feel, and what you want to believe. That's why I only follow certain things on social media. That's why I've gotten rid of general television. I watch the specific things I want to see. I don't want to see commercials for products that aren't important to me or I don't care about. I don't want to see news articles about um, you know, athletes knitting. That is not important or meaningful to me. I don't know why I keep seeing photos of this little boy knitting. Uh, I appreciate he's an athlete. Awesome. Do your thing, but like, don't care about your knits. Um, <clears throat> and so you have to build community. So for instance, if you're gay, you're going to have to surround yourself with gay community, things that are gay, supportive and positive, read books about gay struggle and healing gay shame. If you're a larger bodied or fat, you need to surround yourself with body positive ads, TV shows, build some community, curate your social media to not see people flaunting their gym body as though that's something meaningful or an achievement of some kind, right? We have to build the world we want around us because the standardized world is 
racist, homophobic, fat shaming. You know what I mean? Like it's problematic. And so that matters. So look around your home. What are the things you have, the color choices, the fabrics, the images, the messages? Is it, is it, is it aligned with the mood you want to have, the feeling you want to move through the day with? This applies to sex as well. What are you wearing? What are you smelling? What are you hearing? Are you hearing, smelling, wearing things that make you sexy, make you feel good, lend itself to eroticism or the opposite? right? Like this, these kinds of themes are woven into everything. I've curated my life and my home and my social media and my play, my Spotify playlist to really be the world I want to be a part of. We're not at the mercy as much as we think we are. You get to decide what you listen to, what you watch. You get to decide the conversations you have. You get to decide what you follow on social media. Build a mental health center world. It is very easy. You can click and unfollow and click and follow. You can choose the TV shows you watch. What kind of messages are they giving? You can say to friends and family members, stop commenting on my body and other people's bodies. I don't care about weight. You know what I mean? You can say, I'm not going to go to places where I can't wear the clothing that's comfortable for me. You know what I mean? If Dr. D can't wear his comfortable sneakers and sweatpants, I don't need to eat there. <laughs> Truly. Because my comfort and mental health matter more than my participation at a restaurant or an event. You know what I mean? I hate that stuff anyway. Um, it takes a lot to get me out to an event because it usually isn't centered in what's fun or meaningful to me. Because the things I like to do and the people I run around with, we like comfort and we like philosophy and theory and we just do all these other radical things and they could care less about what you're wearing. In fact, it's purposeful that we push back on those norms. So it's pleasure-centered. It's being a pleasure activist saying, does this said thing make me happy? And if not, I'm going to move away from it. And I say that to you guys all the time to help motivate and encourage. If I'm offered an opportunity to have lunch with someone or, or a career thing, my first thought is, is it good for my mental health? And then I say, does it sound fun? And if it doesn't, I say no. Does wearing that feel good or sound fun? If not, no. I don't wear things that are don't feel good on my body, that feel restrictive, all these things, it's okay to assert ourselves like that. It's okay to set boundaries. It's okay to be led by our self-worth. But culturally, we shame on that. We say things like, be polite, you know, um, you know, etiquette. All these things are made-up things that pull us away from truth. Don't, be, don't follow etiquette. Don't be polite. Be honest. Have compassion, but be honest. No, that doesn't feel good to me. Yes, that does feel good to me. No, that's not the right opportunity for me. Yes, that is. No, that social space doesn't make me feel good. I don't enjoy being in that space. I always tell everyone before, during, and after, how do you feel thinking about going? How do you feel while there, and how do you feel after having been there? If something doesn't feel good to me, I don't go. And if while I'm there, if it changes and I'm no longer comfortable, I leave. And if I realize I went somewhere and I'm like, that wasn't the right crowd or the right environment for me, I don't go back or I make changes or I make requests, you know? But it's important for me to only be in places and spaces where I could be my total and full authentic self. And if not, I have to ask myself, is that my work <clears throat> where I have to bring that in? Or is that that the environment isn't safe for that? And if so, it's not the right place for me. If I can't be my radical self, then it's not the right place or space. And we want to start doing that. That's mental health center. That's how we avoid mental health issues. That's how we avoid burnout. You know, it's really powerful work if we can do that, but we need to start prioritizing that. All right, when we come back, we're going to be gliding into those DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Follow us back. And uh, past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for my face and click on it. And again, those DMs are for questions, but they're also for topics you want me to cover, things you want me to go into deeper, because I know sometimes I might um, drop something and not come back to it or not really sit longer with something that maybe you're curious about or again, something I just haven't ever touched upon. So let us know. 
DMs are always open. We're happy to help. Um, and uh, yeah, Astroglide, check out some of that lube, but massage lotions and a lube for everybody. All right, we'll be back, y'all. I'm listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. All right, we are back. Time to glide into those DMs. Brought to you by Astro Glide. Gliding into the DMs. This one says, oh, it's a long one, so hang in there with me, y'all. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, my boyfriend and I are cis and hetero. We've known each other for about a decade. Oh, I love that. And we've been exclusively dating for about a year. Oh, look at y'all. We casually dated and hooked up for years prior. See, I tell everyone over and over, don't rule out all the possible ways that we can get into relationship with someone. Being a participant in hookup culture, if that's something that's comfortable for you, often leads to long-term loving relationships. It's not if you want love, you have to show that you're serious by not having sex with anyone. That actually limits you. I've stepped into beautiful, long-term healthy relationships as a result of thinking it might be sex only and realizing through sex we have a connection. As I say all the time, you have to explore all levels of compatibility and chemistry. At some point, you can start with the sexual or the non-sexual, but at some point, you gotta explore it all. And so, I'm sorry, people that are serious about love and commitment and compatibility do want to have sex sooner than later to really see if that is something that is there so as to know if you're someone they can commit to, especially if monogamous. Because hear me say this, please don't commit to a monogamous relationship with someone that you don't have sexual compatibility or chemistry with. It's gonna lead to a lot of difficulty, especially in our hypersexual culture. Unless you're more of the asexual type or lower sex drive, you'll be fine. But if sex is important to you and you're hypersexual, like myself, I absolutely make sure that sex is there and I don't illegitimize it. And I also don't want to date people that, that illegitimize it and say things like, oh yeah, I'm really trying to show I'm serious. So, you know, I want to avoid the erotic. I'm like, you don't have the maturity I need if that's how you see that. We'll talk about it more. But anyway, back to your question. Casually dated, hooked up for years. Awesome. And that's how you learn. This is someone I care about. This is someone I trust. This is someone I have chemistry with. Good. However, a few years ago, I found out he had a girlfriend who had been living with him for years and thought he was monogamous. Bum, bum, bum. And that's heartbreaking because you said you've known this person for a decade. So they've been lying to you for a decade? You should run. I don't even need to read anymore. If, if that's true, that this whole time he's been lying and had a girlfriend who thought was monogamous, this is not someone who's ready to be a good partner to someone. This person needs to go heal. 
this person has to learn compassion and honesty and boundaries and communication because that is not how any of that should go. And you're kind of on the receiving end of that. So this person's not ready to be someone's partner. I'll say that. Uh, you were horrified. The other woman cut contact with him for a year. You reconciled. Um, Oh, okay. Surprise ending. We reconciled. We've both done a lot of healing and growth. We're happily coupled. We're big fans of your work. Okay. See, that's what we need to hear. You sit down with this person and you say, this is what I found out. I applaud you, the person who wrote this question that you approach them. And I applaud them for being vulnerable and saying, you're right. And I like that you both were like, let's change and work on this. I mean, I'll say this to him blue in the face. Once a cheater, not always a cheater. People do grow and learn. I see that as a therapist. That is what therapy is predicated on, the idea that people grow and change. I was a horrible person to date back in my youth, but I grew up. I examined myself. I worked on myself, and now I'm an amazing partner, you know? And so we hold space for that. But you have to see that willingness on both parts. He is naturally non-monogamous. Great. I love his willingness to acknowledge that. And that's what some cheaters have to acknowledge. I need to stop harming people. I need to just stop trying to do monogamy. Monogamy is not right for everyone. It's okay to say I don't do monogamy. I fail at it. It's not right for me. I'm not oriented that way. So I'm proud of him for saying that. And he should date openly non-monogamous and date other people that are okay with that. Um, okay. So you say he's naturally non-monogamous. You're okay with it. Uh but am demisexual not interested in it myself. Cool, demisexual is someone who they form more of a relationship first and then sexuality rises later. Uh, he's been accused by others of being a sex addict. Well, that's not a real thing. And him cheating is about empathy and impulse control. That's not an addiction. He was able to consciously um, uh, hide it from you. All these things that showed consciousness, that's not addiction. Addiction is poor impulse control. It's compulsivity. None of that's in there. So that's not what this is. He just really made unfair, poor decisions. Let's not use that sex word as a sex addiction word as a scapegoat. Um, my question is, do you have advice for how to introduce non-monogamy into a relationship when only one partner is interested in it? Oh man. All right. I'm going to talk about that tomorrow, how to like step into having a three-way. So definitely listen to that. Um, I can't answer all that quickly in a DM, so know that I will put a pin in that and come back to that. So probably next week I'll do something on that. Um, but I, I like what we learned from the rest of the question, but I promise you I'll come back and talk about that. So hang tight. All right, y'all, that is our show. We'll be back tomorrow talking about some of these relevant topics and other things. If you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. As always, y'all, thanks for hanging out and you enjoy the rest of your night. Gliding into the DMs is brought to you by Astroglide. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect. 
Check your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.